Hello and welcome to the Casual Conversation Podcast. I'm Eddie, your host, or I'm Let Seven on Reddit, and this is my guest. I am God of Numbers again. Yeah, he's back because couldn't find a guest. Uh, today our first question is from Samurai Alien, and he asks, "Do you support early access, or think it should be forgotten? A forgotten marketing model?" Well. I don't know, like, early access for small games like indie games can be helpful. Like, um, I think I got The Long Dark on early access, and I really liked The Long Dark. And I do think that it helped it grow, and it helped it be a better game. But I don't really know if, like, a big company does early access, like, what's the fucking point? But, I don't know. I'm I'm not Um, an economist. My, economist, yeah. My understanding of early access is that, um... Uh, a video game company will allow the game open to people who pay for it uh, before it comes out. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's how it is. Okay. Uh, and it's not quite in its final stage. Maybe it's an alpha or beta. Yes. Right. So, hmm. I guess, on one hand, it does help as like a... Because testing a game yourself as a developer uh, is... Uh, um, probably harder to do since you're so in it, and if you open it up to the public, it makes it, uh, um, removes a level of bias or something, but to me, it kinds of, it kind of comes across as very capitalist and, uh, kind of a cash-grabby thing. I like the idea of a, a video game company putting out a game is, has been put a lot of work into um, and isn't quite perfect, but has been worked to the point where um, the developers at least think it's perfect enough to release, uh, and a good video game developer will make sure that that happens without consumer input beforehand. And it, it's kind of like a it enhances the suspense of a release, maybe. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on this. If you want to buy the game early, you're they're not forcing you to, and it's not going to be in its final stage anyway, so... Um... Yeah, that's my opinion on it. Like, why does it really matter anyway? It's your money to spend. Yeah, I guess. I think it's better if they don't, because uh, it adds to the, the mystique of yeah. the game. But I can understand, like, games with, like, like Starbound, they needed people to play the um beta and whatnot because it was a very if i recall correctly they had a small crew and they couldn't catch all the bugs by themselves and the community helped them come to the decisions that they came to in the end game and i think i was one of those players and like they would release like a new version of the game like every so often i think it was nightly and then they would people would like go through those new changes and like criticize them and i think that was very helpful as the game like got older right i i just don't think uh i'm not a fan of how games are like basically constantly in development even after the point where they're out you know so Mm. um Mm. like i i'm i like the model where you make a game it's done you put it out and that's it it's like uh it's like a music album right you get the the original pressing and then remasters later down the line and the, the deluxe edition and or i guess star wars people know better the original films and then the remasters with all the cgi added elements into it i i think people enjoy the original release over over the um you know what i'm saying i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. i don't really play a lot of games 
This one is from The Moon. Oh, <laughs> The Moon is Furious. Uh, not a question per se, but tell me about a time where a video game really moved or affected you in a positive or negative way emotionally. My, my mind jumps to like fighting games or first person shooter games like uh, particularly Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare 2, where uh, I, in the learning curve of like figuring out how to, how to play it, I, I lose a lot and I get killed a lot. Uh, and I guess I like to think that I'm, I'm not a hothead and it takes a little bit to push me to being completely enraged. But these games have a, a kind of, the they have a gift in making me get to that point quicker. Uh, oh, Halo especially, too. Halo more than these games. I don't know, I'll just play and I'm like, oh, that was such BS, right? Uh, I was doing everything right and I still failed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, one time I kind of really damaged a, a television I had because I threw a controller at it. Um, so yeah, that that's the negative side. You're probably thinking of something positive, though. Well, I do have two stories. I'm going to start the negative one. Well, it's kind of both, whatever. So Dragon Age Origins is one of my favorite games, right? And I was very excited for when they announced Dragon Age 2, and I pre-ordered it because Dragon Age Origins, in my opinion, is a masterpiece. And I assumed that Dragon Age 2 would be too because you know how do you fuck that up and then I got in I played it and it was it was just so bad I was like so upset about Dragon Age 2 that I like I just like it made me really upset I just don't know why I was like disappointed because I spent this money on a game that I hoped would have been as great as the first one and you would assume it would have been great as the first one because it you know, I would assume they would put the same effort they did into it, but and they didn't. And they changed a lot of mechanics of the game that I right. truly disliked. You know what I think that is? It's just you building it up in your head, though. Like, you, you think the game, the first one, is so perfect that, oh, the next one must be even more perfect, you know. Every, say, every um, as much as I enjoy this, but twice as much. I wouldn't say that. I, was, I just wanted it to be a very story-driven game. And that there was relationships and there's dialogue trees, but I I really dislike how they've changed dialogue in Dragon Age, where it shows you like the reaction or like it's like here's the heart thing to say or here's the bad thing to say. I would rather it be mm. like when in the first game it was just fucking sentences and you would have to like think about it, but in the newer games you don't really need to think and it always upset me a little mm. because I was like I had put so much thought into what I was going to say right. and then and then it was like it it felt like it was removing a lot of the effort that it you as a player, it a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it was a much easier game and I was like I liked Dragon Age Origins because it wasn't easy and then they made it easy. I have played a little bit of Inquisition and never really got around to finishing it because it's such a large game and there's so much to do and my PlayStation is downstairs and I don't like going downstairs. So I haven't finished it at Inquisition yet. Well, neat. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously I haven't played any of those games. <laughs> Um, the next question is from Gadim, and he asks, what's your opinion on microtransactions? I fucking hate microtransactions. I can understand, like, on a mobile phone, like, apps that 
are microtransactions, but I, I really dislike microtransactions in games like Overwatch, where that's just an example. I don't People don't really do that. But like in the new NBA, if I recall correctly, they wanted for people to pay to slam dunk or something like that. And it was just bonkers. It was like really dumb. And I think the whole idea of microtransactions is just so you can give people extra small little bits of content that should be free, but instead you want to make people make more money off of these little tiny things and just makes the experience for people like me just less enjoyable. Yeah, I think they're designed to be frustrating so that you end up spending the most amount of money possible. Um, and you know what? how they're set up a lot is that you pay like five bucks for okay well my mind jumps straight to grand theft auto they've introduced a thing called shark cards and shark cards are they're a way of purchasing in-game currency for real currency and so you can spend like five bucks or whatever and get like five hundred thousand dollars in, in the game or uh, double that and you get an increased amount proportionally of in-game money than uh, double. So it makes you think like you're you're saving money somehow, but really you're, you're just spending more uh, for something that really is worthless altogether. Uh, yeah, not a fan of this. Where, what was the other thing? Early Access? Well, Early Access actually has like a, a useful side to it and isn't just a complete cash grab or... It can be used to make the game better. I think microtransactions are the complete uh, extreme of that, where they make the game more frustrating for probably everybody playing it. And also, they promote um, wealthier players. It's like, what, pay to win? Wealthier players are just naturally better at the game with microtransactions, and poorer players are not. Yeah, I think pretty much on all aspects, they're totally useless and... Horrible capitalist devices of torture. Next question is from Tic Tac Gone. Thoughts on pre-orders? Uh, this is similar to early access, but different in that you can... What is it? You pay for the game. Is it at a slightly lower price than retail, or is it the same? Well, the idea is that you're pre-ordering a game. Well, the, I like the idea of pre-ordering when it comes to physical copies. Um, because the idea is that you're like putting down your name you're paying for that advance on the game so when you go and go to the store it's there for you but um with like okay. digital so, okay games, so it's like it doesn't to make prevent any sense. going and like when when games are sold out because they're so popular <clears throat> i think if the game is really popular and it has a good sing single no okay whoa, whoa, whoa. no that doesn't really matter if the game is really popular, then sure, like, if you're pre-ordering, uh, I don't know, the next Halo or something, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think the issue, like... the issue with pre-orders now is that when you pre-order a game, you get content that people who did not pre-order the game would get. Like, we pre-ordered Follow Me Vegas for the Xbox, and that came with, like, cool shit, like, trading cards. I'm not trading cards, like, a deck of cards and, like a chip and whatever and it was actually cool but like sometimes it's like in-game things like with tomb raider i think it was like a bunch of guns and with digital releases it doesn't really make any fucking sense like why would you pre-order a game that won't sell out 
physically. And it's just a way yeah. for big companies like Rockstar or EA or Ubisoft to just make more money off of people because they just want that special gold gun or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I think if you're paying more for it and it's a digital copy, then I agree with you. But if you're paying slightly more than retail for a physical copy on release day, then that makes sense. Yeah, I could see, yeah, that makes sense. But um, the next question is from Desert Foxes or is it Desert Foxes? I can't tell. Anyway, his first question is, what's the best route going pro in video games? And the second question is, if you could go pro in a video game, which one would it be? And the third question is, what's your favorite pro video game player? And he mentions his favorite uh, video game pro player. First, uh, I don't know what the best route to going pro in a video game is because I can't really speak on that because I'm not a pro player and I don't watch pro sp- uh, esports. I have watched Dota 2 a little bit, but I don't like watch it religiously. And it's I just find esports fucking god awfully boring i'm like it's like watching your little brother play a video game and you just want to watch and you just want to play the game and the second question is if you go pro in a video game which one would be and i would say marvel versus capcom 3 because i'm really really good at that game and i have done tournaments for marvel versus capcom 3 but you know and the third one is who's your video pro video game player and i would say i don't fucking know i don't watch pro esports mm, now i do okay i my only experience with this is probably with super smash brothers melee because uh well the pro scene now especially is exploding and has been exploding for a couple of years but so the best route in melee and this probably applies to other games too so you go to local tournaments you play with people who have been attending local tournaments for longer than you have you start playing with them you lose a lot until you gradually lose less often. And then maybe you get better than them and start winning local tournaments. And then once you are comfortable winning local tournaments consistently, maybe you start winning bigger tournaments, national tournaments, like these people who win Evo and um, Hacks. So yeah, that's probably the best route, is just grinding, uh, playing a lot until you get better. Like anything, put a lot of time into it and you will get better. Yeah. It's like, you know, like with anything. But it's just like with any yeah. other skill, it, it's very hard to go pro. And I I do tell people not to expect to go pro in anything, especially sports. So I just say take it with a grain of salt and, you know, look at other options. Like, there are a lot of, like, professional figure skaters I know that have pursued their degree in case they can't get on the ice shows. One of my doctors was a, an Olympic figure skater i can't remember who it is off the top of my head um i will comment that in the post if when i do remember um but yeah, yeah. just if i could go pro oh, step on you but if i could go pro it would be that one because that's just the one i put the most time into super smash brothers melee and my favorite pro from from that series would be um probably and i know pe- people who are fans of the, the game are probably gonna hate me for this but hungry box just because he plays the same character I do and is from the same region that I am and has won the big tournaments and has had a good streak at one point and just is a great, like, for for players of Jigglypuff, which is the <laughs> character that I play, Hungrybox is, like, the go-to 
Like he's the guy you look at and be like, oh, if I just do it his way, then I'll start winning more. You know, he's the he's the role model Jigglypuff player. <laughs> Next question is from a user called Johnny Dakota. Of all the video game to movie adaptions, which ones do you think are actually good slash watchable? Is there an Angry Birds movie? I think I I don't really know because I I don't really watch them. Yeah, there is an Angry Birds movie, I think. Well, then my answer is the Angry Birds movie. I literally no. cannot think of a single video game movie that I've watched and enjoyed. I can't. It's probably the Angry Birds movie. Let's not lie. Even if the Angry Birds movie is bad, it's probably less bad than all the other ones. I feel like the Angry Birds... Were they making Birds... an Assassin's Creed film? Yeah, and it was garbage. Yeah. Uh, video game films are probably a thing that seems good on paper. And if you were to say it out loud, maybe it even sounds like a good idea. But games that they make films out of usually are pretty immersive stuff, like Assassin's Creed. And so to top that level of immersion in a film is pretty much impossible because, like, you can't. In a, in a video game, you have direct control. You kind of identify with, with the main character because they're so vague that you can apply any characteristics on them and you're manipulating their actions. That's... Probably also another issue about video game movie films is that since these, these main characters are often so vague and uh, uncharacterized that the characterizations in the films are, if they are the same as in the video games, then, well, that's just boring, isn't it, to, to watch a, someone with no character. Or they change the main character's personality traits to the extent that fans of the games are upset like what that's not how it is in the game you know uh so that's probably why they fail a lot a few of what i just said or something i don't really know what i'm talking about i also think the issue with video game reviews is that a lot of video games have choice and a lot of um trees of like how the story can end and i feel like choosing one of those is going to make people upset because it's like you took the Ooh, choice yeah. out of it. You know what? Uh, I I think they're making a film f about the book. This isn't a video game. It's a book. But it's a book about video games called Ready Player One. And I read this uh, a few years ago. Uh, it was a really good book, I thought, about, like, it had a lot of 80s callbacks to it and uh, basically is about a world in, in the near future that people wear these haptic suits and stuff and they transport their their minds into a video game world and that's how they go to school uh, and and do a lot of stuff and so it's basically the story of a kid in that anyway they're making a film about it and I think that film will probably be what most video game films aspire to be but it will be better because it's not based on an actual video game, it's based on a, a narrative that's already been built with characters that have real believable personalities and a universe that is pretty well defined and isn't as quite immersive as a video game, but see that's the thing, movies are more immersive, more immersive than books, so I think that's why book films are better than video game films, maybe. Just because of expectations of viewers, you see what I'm saying? I'm not just ranting or babbling about stuff. I understand. Well, okay. this next question is going to have to be um, our last one. And we're skipping the Mighty Wills question because it's literally the same fun question as another question. And the other one is from Random Gun Hunter. 
this is our last question, and he asks, what do you think is the best horror video game, no matter the platform and why? Um, the best horror video game that I've played is, um, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Um, because I've read the book mm. and I've played the game, and the game is much more in-depth than the book was. I, well, the book is more of a short story, but anyway, it's just, it's a very fascinating just it's just very interesting because it, it's like it makes sense like how they got to that point well i've not played that uh in fact I, i'm not even sure I, I finished reading that Ooh, horror video games see i'm the type of person that avoids horror films when they come out like uh like uh, these um the only recent horror film I'm, i was interested in was it because I saw the Stephen King film. Horror video games. Jeez. The the thing is, is like, okay, I, I kind of am such a paranoid, delusional, schizoid outside of things like media consumption that when I consume media like video games, why would I want to <laughs> enhance those qualities about myself and terrorize myself in that way? Uh, I'm really having trouble thinking of a horror video game that I've played and enjoyed. Maybe the Silent Hill film, uh, no. The Silent Hill video games, oh, but that was a long time ago. Well, did people? I don't play a lot of horror or watch a lot of horror. It's not really my thing, so I can't really give a good opinion. So, ugh. Yeah, basically, um, I don't have an opinion because I, I don't play a lot of horror video games, and I don't play a lot of video games. Period. Um, but if you like a good horror film, I have a good uh, recommendation for you, which is the nineteen seventy. Six film, The Omen, and everybody's probably seen it, but if you haven't, you must, because Gregory Peck is in it, and Gregory Peck is a god. I have a horror movie recommendation for everybody. Um, it's more modern. It's um a South Korean movie called The Silence. It's on the U.S. Netflix. Ooh. I watched it when it first came out in Korea, and it was I liked it a lot. It had a really interesting story, but it was, you know, the typical Korean trope of Japanese people are bad. But it was very, it was a nice movie. I'll admit, I'm not familiar with a lot of Korean media, uh, except for, obviously, K-pop, right? But I do hear that their their scary stuff is really scary. So yeah. that's probably intimidating for me. It, it, it made me sad. There was a part in the movie that made me really sad and almost cried. Well, since that is... Mm. That brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, I would like to say thank you to God of Numbers for being our guest this week. And, um, oh, shucks. Please donate to our Patreon uh, page, uh, patreon.com slash casualconversationpodcast. Uh, it would be great if you donated, if you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, bye. Bye.